that uh, Bob Woodward meant a lot just being able to watch something. Uh, maybe 10, 15 years ago, there was a general uh, in the, who was chief of staff, head of the American Army, General Ray Odierno. Mm -hmm. And I got to know him. He was the commander in Afghanistan and, and Iraq and a, a revered figure in the Army. There's one month ago. And each year, he would have the new generals, one star, come, and there were about 100, 110 of them, come to Washington for seminars and discussions. And he'd ask people to come talk, and he asked me each for many years to come talk to the new generals about the media. And so I'd go talk about the media, and then Odierno would uh, take the floor, and a big barrel of a man, and he'd walk down the aisle. And uh, generals, now he's, they've got one star, he's got four stars, you know, not He's not uh, demeaning them, but he's just reminding them he's got more experience than that. What's the job of the Army, generals? <laughs> and almost everyone would raise their hand. And they call in one, General, what's the job of the Army? And the one-star general, Chief, the job of the Army is to train, equip, and organize members, uh, people in the army to fight and win wars. And every reasonable answer. Reasonable answer. Yeah. Then Odierno said, "All right, generals, what's the second job in the army? What's the second job of the army?" And everyone, <laughs> generals, second job. <laughs> Wait a minute, I didn't. No one told me. <laughs> Is there a second job? And there'd be this silence. <laughs> and oh dear, no, it's saying, Generals, the second job of the Army, and it may be the first job of the Army, is to prevent war. And all the Generals would go. <laughs> well, we learned something today <laughs> that we should have known. I mean, I've, I've, Colin Powell, for instance, I got to know Colin Powell very well. And <laughs> Powell, what a, I mean, he was the reluctant warrior. He was the one. I wrote in one of my books about the first Gulf War when he's chairman of the Joint Chiefs uh, that. Trump, or that uh, Powell was the reluctant warrior, and Powell wrote his memoirs, and so in, he said that I'd said he was the reluctant warrior. He had one answer, one word, guilty. Yeah, there you go. Guilty. The ones who know war the most realize that we have to prevent it. That's, I'm not sure anyone would have prevented what Putin has done in Ukraine, but that is the calamity that we're living with. Indeed. Over here. Yes, please, sir. I, I work as a journalist, and uh, I've noticed myself that there is a, a rise of, uh, of uh, 
far-right extremism and uh, you know, hate crimes, things of that order uh, throughout Canada and around the world. Uh, it, being so close to the Trumpism, Trump himself and Trumpism, um, you know, I was wondering if you could speak to what his appeal is, um, especially in terms of the working class, uh, you know, for voting, right? Like what, what is it that lures working class voters to Trump considering he is like a you know, very corporate billionaire who doesn't really seem to have the interest of the people in mind? Yeah, well, that's, again, that's uh, historians, psychiatrists are going to be studying this uh, for decades uh, and longer. Uh, Trump, uh, you know, he has that, he kind of found a voice of, you know, they're against me, they're after me. I mean, all of this in, in the discussions on the tapes, he'll say, the Russia hoax, Bob, the Russia hoax, they were doing. And I, I would have to say to him, the Russia uh, interference needed to be investigated. You're right, this, the, this is the Steele dossier that claimed that he had been in Moscow cavorting with uh, prostitutes was, was garbage, and I had said that from a, a source I had in looking at the dossier itself. And I'd say, so that was misused, but, and you know, he was just so, I've been wronged, I've been cheated, I've been, and I think there are a lot of people, in fact, I, you know from polls, people in the United States feel they've been cheated, they're on the wrong uh, they've been wronged. But the notion that he would be their champion is unusual. Wouldn't yeah, you but if he found that voice, and the, and this is uh, the old order was dying, mm. and he presented a new order. Now, whether it was logical, uh, obviously, in many ways, it was not truthful. Mm. Uh, but there. Uh, and anyway, I don't want to go back to what he did on the coronavirus, mm -hmm. but, you know, uh, I always tried to play it down. I don't want people to panic. Again, my wife, Elsa, looked and said, well, let's see, did presidents ever try to panic people in the United States? And she found uh, FDR's fireside chat mm -hmm. in the 30s and 40s. And... If you go back and listen, I mean, it's it's gripping. Uh, I think I've got some in the tapes here of playing Roosevelt. Yeah. Actually, you can hear the scratchy uh, radio and right after Pearl Harbor. And what does Roosevelt do? Said we have suffered. Does it? Does he say everything's going to be fine? Does he play it down? No. He said we are in a struggle for our survival. And did he say, I don't want to panic you? No, he said, I know you, every man, woman, and child in this country will rise to the occasion and do their part. And this is going to be a long struggle, but we're going to win. He mobilized support. Because of you. Yeah. Yeah. The people, and you listen to that, and uh, as Elsa and I listen, we realize if when Trump on that January 28th had been told 
about this crisis coming, the tidal wave, the forest fire that's going to be the biggest national security threat to your presidency, not Russia, not China, not North Korea, not Iran, but this virus. If Trump had said, ah, I have been presented, and I asked him at one point, it's in the tapes, said, did you realize that this was the leadership challenge of a lifetime? And he says, no. Just no. How sad. Because it was the leadership challenge and moment of a lifetime if he had come and leveled with the, if he'd been one-tenth of FDR and said, you know, I've been told this by people who know. I don't know whether it's true. He gave a State of the Union address a couple of, about 10 days later, and he could have said, you know, there are experts. We don't, we'll see. He used to always say one of his answers, well, we'll see. I don't know, but serious, wash your hands, socially distance. We're working on the vaccines, which is something he did a great job on, by the way. And if he just let the country into, not his mind, because that's self, into the experience he had of these people coming in. I mean, read what I found out from them, and it's on the tape here. I kept going back to them. I kept calling Matt Pottinger, the Deputy National Security Advisor, at home through White House Signal. I call him at 10 o'clock. I just have one more question. What exactly happened here? You can hear him in his own voice say how they presented this to Trump. And it's exactly, I never have heard of a president being told, given this kind of graphic, powerful warning and he adored and if he'd faced up to his duty i mean it's not just the president's as a human being you know if i've got the the you know something in my house that's a disease and you're coming over i would say it's just a human gesture hey you know the guys came in and said uh it's going to be a tidal wave. Didn't do it. I regret to say, but one of my jobs is to make sure we finish on time tonight. This is the last question we have. So, yes, please, this microphone here. Bob, thanks so much for coming to Toronto. This has been super nice. Um, my question for you is, if Trump's presidency or even his campaign took place during, you know, a pre-2016 political climate, like the, the old world as we're kind of talking about tonight in your opinion what single event should have completely sunk him but what what's what it? single event should have sunk him well, what, oh yeah no but that's if history uh you know i don't know and you know we you can't turn the clock back but this is a i mean uh, look this is as close as i can get to this is the Nixon tapes out of Trump's own mouth. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, if that's what people want, 
you know, we, we have a democracy. And uh, I, I will sleep, uh, and I sleep pretty well knowing that I've tried to present. See, this, I done the book from this, and I listened to them again earlier last year, and I thought, my God, it's completely different when you hear him or you put it all together. Go ahead, you've got something to read. Well, you know, oftentimes in your books, Mr. Woodward, you, you how do I put this? You don't go as far as you have gone in this book. You write on page 418, this is part of your conclusion. Now, two years later in 2022, I realized that I didn't go far enough. Trump is in unparalleled danger, you write. The record now shows Trump has led and continues to lead a seditious conspiracy to overturn the 2020 election, which in effect is an effort to destroy democracy. Treason. You're not pulling any punches with this guy, are you? No, but that's that's January 6th. Yep. And you see, again, you, you, you look at the Constitution, the Electoral Count Act, and it's, see, Watergate was Nixon determined, and he succeeded, to destroy the process of nominating and electing a president. What Trump, and this is what brings them to the same stage. Trump looked at the Electoral Count Act and the Constitution, and it, they literally say on January 6th, the date is in there, the Congress will meet and the House and the Senate uh, presiding will be the Vice President of the United States, who was Pence, and they will count the votes. They will count. They will yeah. count the votes, yeah. and that will—that's the only certification. There's no law. There's nothing else that says who the president is. In peril, Costa and I have the things Trump said to Pence to try to get him to throw the election for them. And Pence was resisting. And Pence, I, I mean, Trump said to him, I made you. You're weak. If you don't do what I want, I picked the wrong man four years ago. You are betraying me and the country. You are a whip. The only thing Trump didn't do, the only threat he didn't make to Pence in that period was next year when I have my birthday party at Bar-a-Lago, you're not going to be invited. <laughs> Just finally, you want to join me in thanking the legendary Bob Woodward for coming to Toronto tonight. I want to tell you the story of a little 14-year-old kid who used to come home from school every day and watch with his mother these congressional hearings that were looking into something called Watergate. 
And the kid was 14, so he really didn't know a lot about what was going on. But he sure heard the name Bob Woodward a lot during the course of all of those hearings. Fast forward about four years later, and that kid managed to get himself a part-time job at his hometown newspaper. Probably because he heard the name Bob Woodward a lot. And fast forward about, oh, I don't know, 45 years after that, and he's standing out here in front of you today. So you got to know. Are there UFOs in the Bible? You got to know. This is live. Billy Carson. Exciting. Insects. Exciting. Oh, yeah. Here we come. Billy Carson. Oh, yeah. Mind blowing. Hey, 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 what's up? It's Billy Carson here, a.k.a. Forbidden Knowledge. And I'm here with the great Roderick Martin, my good friend. What's up? Hey, we're here, man. we're here. Yes. It's good to have him here in the studio, in living color, in person. If you don't know who he is, he is an incredible expert on UFOs and has been studying UFOs and with, through MUFON and his own personal research for decades. He has his own YouTube channel. He has his own on Instagram or platform on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. He's everywhere. Roderick Martin. Make sure you follow him. And what's that, uh, the vocal, uh, the voice uh, app that people use a lot? Which one? The, Power the biggest one you have where you, you, you got discovered first initially. Oh, Clubhouse. Clubhouse, yeah, right. Yeah. He's huge on Clubhouse. Nope. Matter of yeah. fact, he's got he's been put on many TV shows because of his Clubhouse show. Absolutely. And then of course being here and uh but can first I, of all, I, I need to make too. it. Sure. Got the master. <laughs> There's so always friendly. people said, Where's oh, Billy or hi Billy? Now y'all see us side by side. Okay. <laughs> I am twice the man he is, but not literally as but regardless, now you see what he had the Hollywood smile. I got a smile. <laughs> you okay. just tell your hearts on the here. trail. You can always oh, watch go. this later. <laughs> we here in Living Color. It's gonna be a great Okay. <clears throat> Him. Let's see, where is my mind's touch subscription? Here we go. It's called Trump Family Attacks Each Other as New York Prosecutors Drop Bombshell. <laughs> Live chats. Yes, of course. Thumbs up. Jordy, I mean, could the contrast be more stark? And could we have more Power on. of these committee hearings? Bluetooth. Like, every time these magazines <laughs> Bluetooth connected. Today's hearing. A hearing on the woke. They did a hearing on the woke federal <laughs> government. Can you believe that? 
you you really can't make this stuff up anymore. But you know, I, I've coined a new term for these Republicans. They are professional rake steppers because all they do is they throw out the rake and then they go they get all excited. And Fox News goes, "Look how far they just threw that rake! What a great toss!" And then inevitably they walk right into it, get smacked in the face, and this is what we're witnessing. I don't think I actually had to smack myself in the face to get the point across. I, the there. animation I don't is think great. That was, I don't think it was necessary. But I have, our viewers appreciate it. Do we have the Lauren Boebert clip? Like, do we could just start off by showing Boebert stepping on the rake because it just shows it just shows you exactly what they do. Like, they keep because they don't read, because they don't care about facts, because they're used to going on Fox, because their fascism is cyclical or whatever. Jordy is whatever. Jordy. <laughs> You were a fan. I knew you liked that phrase. Let's go. Because their fascism is cyclical or they're used to going on Fox and not getting rebutted by, like, the facts, they'll just keep mentioning things that happened when Trump was the president. I'm like, remember when the Biden administration back in October of 2020 told Twitter this? It's like, okay. You realize that Trump was the president in 2020. They were the government that, you know, or, or when one of the things that Boebert was trying to explain in this hearing today about how woke the federal government is. And 25 percent of the federal government is working from home because that's one of the things that they're saying is so woke. So and 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 and, and the person she was asking the question uh, to was like, you anyway, I won't I won't ruin it. Just watch the clip. Play the clip. You're not aware of any employee taking um, something that one would consider a vacation time and bringing their computer and maybe logging in just a portion of that time or not at all. We have we have more than 25 percent of federal employees not logging not logging into work and they're teleworking. Congresswoman, I, I do take issue with the characterization that 25 percent of individuals are not. It, logging it's it's in. in this leaked document right here that we just submitted into. You're the record. You're basing that from 2020, which is in the last administration, and I can't speak to that. <laughs> remember when? <laughs> remember when Gates wanted and actually did introduce into the record, like the Chinese communist propaganda <laughs> newspaper, and said, "Do you have any reason to doubt it?" And the Biden administration official as well. Usually, it's not my custom and practice to rely on the uh, propaganda the from the Chinese Communist yeah. Party, but yeah. That's yeah, professional, that was professional, professional rake steppers, steppers. <laughs> MAGA Republican. Yeah, that was great. LOL. When Matt Gates tried to use Chinese propaganda in Congress. Sex trafficker Gates quoted Chinese Communist propaganda! Exclamation point. Quoted Chinese communist propaganda. LOL. I wrote, yeah, that was great. LOL. Sex trafficker Gates quoted Chinese communist propaganda in Congress. In Congress! Exclamation point. Congress. Okay. 
professional rake steppers. You know, and the more they speak, you know, it's almost yes. like, you know, maybe you didn't actually like Trump as much as you thought. Because you seem to have an issue with everything that happened under, while he was president. And you just are now kind of realizing it when you actually get out of your bubble and actually try to do these hearings and speak to actual experts and people with intelligence. All of a sudden you get smacked in the face with the facts and you're like, oh, oops, that's, that's, that's my bad. I, I, I didn't mean to do that. And there's plenty more professional rake stepping where that came from today. And, you know, throughout all these hearings. How, how about they all like it's. How about it being exposed? We know that it's all a grift, right? But sometimes you just wonder, like, okay, behind the scenes, like, are do they really believe these things that they're saying? Because these MAGA Republicans, no. they say things that are not. so idiotic, so insanely traitorous, so down a... Of course they don't believe what they are saying. See theory rabbit hole that sometimes you just wonder like what are they really saying privately are they like this is all a big scam ha 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 we hate this and we're making a bunch of money so we love it well the answer to that question a lot of them are <laughs> a lot of them are actually saying that and like we'll talk about it more in this episode but as you go through the messages, for example, from Tucker Carlson. Tucker, Tucker Carlson Tucker is saying things Carlson. like, I hate Donald Trump with passion. I, I absolutely Constantly. hate this guy. And I can't. This is the actual message from Tucker Carlson. This isn't like a meme. This is these are Tucker Carlson's actual messages. Pull it back up one more time. He goes, I hate him, referring to Donald Trump. I hate him passionately. I blew up at Peter Navarro today in frustration. I actually like Peter, but I can't handle much more of this. And then there's like another thread of Tucker speaking with a, a producer of his. Um, and on the producer, he's, he just goes in. Yeah, so this is the, this. So anyone wants who's looking at the format on TV, for those on the audio, you can't see it because you're on audio. But but go 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 on the YouTube. Very stupid. <laughs> Get very stupid. Go on the YouTube though to watch it, and we we've tweeted this out and posted it in all the different locations. This is actually the format that it looks like when you go through the e-discovery process, and the e-discovery vendor um, basically takes a forensic image of a phone. That's what this that you that, that you'd be looking at. And so behind the scenes, you have the producer saying things to Tucker. Like, and then pull it back up. The press conference has gone bananas, referring to a Giuliani press conference mm -hmm. from November of 2020. And then Tucker's like, I keep hearing that. So bad. I really want to ignore it. Cindy Powell and Rudy Giuliani are fucking liars. And then they're mocking the conspiracy theories that Tucker then spreads. Right. And so the conspiracy theory that they mock, the producer goes to Tucker in a sarcastic way. By my count so far, the election was stolen by a coalition of Soros and Nicolas Maduro and various software companies and small time gangsters not making any of that up. Oh, I left out Cuba and China and Tucker's responses about Trump and these conspiracy theories. It's all so desperate and deranged at the same time. And Rudy's hair color has been dripping along his face for 40 minutes. 
It's still happening. And then in the next messages, he sends <laughs> photos of Rudy Giuliani with the hair dye drip. These could be our private text messages. I was going to say that literally sounds like a Midas Touch video talking about how desperate and deranged Donald Trump is, mocking Rudy for the hair dye situation. It could be a Midas Touch video right there. And it likely does Perfect. match our text messages from the day, but it really shows you the grift that is happening at Fox. It shows you why they are so dangerous. And you also see that they made a really bad prediction at the Yeah, go and do an ad. Midas Touch ad based on that. And you guys impersonate Fucker Carlson. Fucker Carlson text messages. Ha ha. Okay. Having to clean it up like my. I mean, their prediction was Donald Trump's going to be going away in a little bit. So we, we're we not going to have to hear from this guy at all soon. So let's just try to ignore this stuff all right now. And then we'll get past him, and, and maybe something will happen to him and he'll be old news. That was the worst decision ever. But what these texts real, that was the worst prediction ever. But what these texts really do expose, which I don't think people are appreciating enough, is just how fragile Fox News is, just how fragile of an organization it is. And they themselves even say this, and we're even seeing this now as we start to see the response from Fox employees who are speaking off the record to organizations about the release of these documents from the Dominion case. And you see that I can't believe how much in an uproar and how scared Fox, this institution, this mega institution is of these upstart networks like Newsmax and OAN. That's what you see time and time again. And by the way, we're seeing now the communications from 2021 and 2020. Just imagine what the communications are right now, currently at Fox. I bet they're using a private encrypted signal to auto-delete this time. I bet that's the lesson that they learned. But you could be so sure right now that they are terrified, that they right now are feeling like they are once again put in an existential crisis. And they have Tucker Carlson right now and their main, their main anchors who do their prime time shows. Oh my God. They are doubling down, tripling down because their back's against the wall and they have no other move right now other than to and it'll be interesting to see where this all lands. But you gotta know, this is an existential crisis for Fox. Whether they want to put on that ball for Bono or not, everything. It wants to show, if you, you know, digging into it, we say this all the time, more specifically with these B2B politicians. But we'll talk about it here with Tucker and the Fox News, news quote, staff, man. They don't care about the country. They're just trying to line their pockets and take advantage of it. Of people in our, our society. It, it, it's desperate and it's sad and it's depraved. And they cloak themselves like this news network that, that wants to get you the truth. And they just play on these, these, 
these people who are just so, just, just deceived, ultimately. And I know I'm giving a lot of Fox viewers here just, just, just a lot of cover, but ultimately, that's what's going on. They're playing with just worst inhibitions and trying to just destroy our democracy to line their pockets with money. Here's the thing that upsets me and some of the things that I've seen over the past few days, because I saw yesterday, you know, something uh, a lot of people often wonder, Okay, you're telling this to us, Midas Touch, but is this reaching the Fox bubble? We have to reach the MAGA bubble. And so the image that we did of those texts has made its way around the Fox bubble, has made its way around the MAGA. I've seen it pop up on all the various MAGA forums. I saw that MAGA person on Twitter, Bridget Gabriel, or whatever name she's using this week. I saw her post it, and so I certainly hope this is not true, because it's true. This is pretty bad. The comments. The comments make you want to just cower. It just makes you want to just cringe. You know, come on, please. Why, why, why? If you read the comments, and the comments are all like, no, thank you. No way. No way. This is Photoshop. No, this couldn't happen. This couldn't happen. And it's that kind of ability, inability, when, when you are confronted with the facts, when you are confronted with actual evidence. This isn't fabricated. This didn't just appear out of nowhere. These were texts that were turned over by Fox, by Tucker Carlson, by Sean Hannity, that are in a court filing. These are real, whether they want to believe it or not. But they have been so brainwashed by Fox, and now they are kind of in a power position with Fox, where they are demanding Fox to keep me lying. Keep lying to me. I like the lies. I can't lie. I'm my favorite One of the things that cults and programmers will tell you, the hardest part sometimes about getting somebody out of a cult, is because they're so all in, for them to get out of the cult is to admit that their entire existence over the past number of years has been an utter lie, and that they have been pursuing very passionately things that were false, and it's very hard to pull people out because they don't want to admit it publicly. Um, also, you know, there's so, here's the thing, Jordy, where you were talking about the Fox viewer. There's, and, and, and someone who went on our Patreon uh, chat, the Zoom that we have, brought you know brought this question up and maybe we'll, we'll we'll post this one as well we do this exclusive patreon chat for our patreon members if you go to patreon.com slash midas chat where we do this zoom uh patreon.com slash midas touch and the person said look there's just coming at me from all of these directions and, and, and all of these issues and like and it's and it's overwhelming right and sometimes to convey the truthful information and come up with solutions is a little bit harder. It's a little bit more complicated to address reality and the complexities that exist and have an intelligent conversation. And where Fox, what Fox does, is Fox exploits the complexity that exists in modernity. They exploit that situation and try to simplify it down to a word or a slogan without, by distracting people from the solution so that Fox can then achieve an ultimate aim, which its goal is, which is basically to make a lot of money, to pick people's pockets. 
at the end of the day, so that billionaires can get even richer than they already are, right? That's the end aim here. The end design, we're, we see the messages, right? And, 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 and it's callous. It's, it's really about the money. And it, 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 it makes it obvious it's always about the money. But they are, it's a zero-sum game where Fox is saying, look, we don't care if we destroy this democracy. We're okay with a Russian-style oligarchy so long as we keep making money. Screw this American democracy. We, we don't care about American democracy anymore. So let's keep on feeding people lie after lie after lie. And then rather than address what the real issue is on immigration, rather than let's talk about comprehensive immigration policy, rather than let's trying to fix it, let's just call an entire group of people rapists. Let's just say that, and let's just repeat it over and over and over again, and let's distract from actually how to come up with solutions, and then the large media networks don't do even a much better job. They'll let the both sides thing happen and have it become like a ping-pong match of two idiots who don't even really know what they're talking about. So that's ultimately what we're trying to build here, is to reimagine and re-envision what the media is, and speak to people intelligently. And to have the serious conversations with people. And, and, and what's so wild about that is that that really doesn't exist. That hasn't existed before. Let's cover the issues with the detail that it does. So when I go over what took place in a court hearing, I don't just give you like, I don't just start shouting. I go, let's, let's read the filing. People like that. They go, I like when you read the court filing. I, I trust what you say, Ben. But it is helpful that I see the filing and I could share the filing. And so, Brett, when you talk about the fact that, you know, a lot of the people are brainwashed, they legitimately are brainwashed. If you go back to the plan that created Fox, the memo from the 1970s, it's, the, the plan is actually called Creating Like GOP State-Led Media. That was Roger Ailes' plan in the Nixon administration. The purpose was to create propaganda state-run TV to brainwash Americans. That's it. So it is doing what it's set out to do. So now we are in a process of having on a mass scale, on a national and international scale, of deprogramming, of deprogramming that. And we're at a pivotal moment and juncture right now where there is this cognitive dissonance in the face of, whoa, whoa, whoa. If, I, if, if Tucker's really saying that, and I'm a mark, and I've been going to all my family dinners, and all of these times with friends, and I've been just repeating everything he said, what does that make me? How does that make me look? And what we on the pro-democracy community, though, have to do now is not say to those people, that makes you an idiot. Exactly. We can't no, do that. What we have to say is, look... There is this majority, this pro-democracy community. We love our country. We love our constitution. We, we love it, but we don't love it in a performative way. We live it. We live it. And we try to implement policies to make things actually better than just empty slogans. That's what we do here. You, you should be a part of this team and all the stuff that they're telling you about the leftists and the woke and all of that it's, it's BS it's, it's just completely fake propaganda stuff so let's 
be the solution together. That's what we got to do. And Ben, unfortunately, I, I think also, though, I think the both sides networks, I'm not talking about Fox here, but I'm talking about a lot of the mainstream networks, and, and I have a lot of respect for a lot of the reporters on a lot of these networks, I'm not speaking about all of them, but a lot of these both sides networks have also programmed people to always expect the worst. The worst. There's always a lot of doom and gloom, and one of the things that we try to do here is just present the facts. When there was this phony red wave narrative before the midterms, we brought on the experts. We brought on Simon Rosenberg and Tom Bonnier, who were going through the data, who saw the people who had already voted in early voting, and they said, wait, 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 hold, hold up a second, hold up a second. This polling seems like BS, because I'm looking at the data right now of people who have actually voted. And it's not showing anything near a red wave. It's showing a very tight election here. And we keep seeing this time and time again, where we're letting people, and and, uh, many of our followers, people are getting gaslighted by the mainstream media networks to believe a narrative that is simply not true. And perhaps the latest narrative here is the narrative that we are seeing right now out of New York with the criminal case against Donald Trump. And we could get into that in a bit. But the thing that we did here is, what did we do? We had Alvin Bragg come on the show. Yep. We did a whole interview with Alvin Bragg, Karen Freed Magnifolo. And by the way, we took, a lot of, we took a lot of heat for that interview. And Ben, you could go into that too. But Ben, from the beginning, and you've been saying this for months now, because this new New York Times story just dropped right before that we came on the podcast that said indictments in New York for Donald Trump, criminal indictments from Alvin Bragg, are likely and imminent, and that Donald Trump has been informed about that. So we could dig into the story, but this is something, Ben, that you have been saying for months. And, and before you even go into the whole thing, I just want to say that listeners of this podcast, listeners of the Political Beatdown podcast with Michael Cohen and Ben over here, by the way, if you're not subscribed to Political Beatdown with Michael Cohen and Ben Micellis, do that right now. Subscribe right now on our because Michael Cohen is the main witness right now in this New York case. He's going to be speaking in front of the criminal grand jury. And so if you want to hear the up-to-date happenings of what is going on, everything that he's able to tell us, you've got to subscribe to political. But if you've been listening, you've heard Ben's predictions, so you may have not have been surprised at the New York Times News. But people who have not been listening to the Might of Such podcast, this probably came out of left field for them. So, Ben, what happened today? And, of course, you know, you know, Ben, I had to dig up the clip of you calling this from day one, which we could play here. I appreciate you. I appreciate you pulling up that clip. But Alvin Bragg has informed Donald Trump that he will be invited, if he wants to show up next week, uh, to speak before the criminal grand jury that is in panels. Why isn't Donald Trump being subpoenaed? Because he's not needed to be there, so he's giving an opportunity to tell his side of the story before a criminal grand jury that has the authority to indict Donald Trump. And this is, in the Manhattan District Attorney's process, always, in almost all circumstances, if you just follow their protocols, that is the precursor to an indictment. And a precursor to an indictment that is imminent. And by imminent, we're talking about weeks, days, weeks, not months. This would be the very last phase 
of, okay, you can show up next week. If you don't show up, Donald Trump would have to waive immunity. Uh, otherwise, you're given immunity under the New York grand jury procedures, which obviously Donald Trump's not going to waive immunity, which means he could be prosecuted for speaking before the uh, criminal grand jury for what he says it could be used against him. He'll likely do what he did before the New York Attorney General, which is invoke his Fifth Amendment. But the New York AG case is a civil case. Um, but this is the process that would take place right before an indictment. And you know, when we had Alvin Bragg on the show, I mean, the comments against Bragg were to say people disliked Bragg. I mean, I, 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 people wanted Bragg arrested. I mean, that's what some of the comments were. And, I mean, arrest Bragg, throw Bragg in jail. What? And, and, and my point was, I understand the frustration based on the fact that the prosecutors who Cy Vance brought on, Pomerantz and Dunn, that they quit, they said bad things about Bragg, it looked like they were on a process to indict that felt imminent. And it felt like Bragg was, whatever the expression was, like pulling the rug from underneath people who thought, oh, there was about to be an indictment and Bragg is coming in and you screwed it up. But all I can do is follow the data, which is Bragg's been a career prosecutor, one of the most well-established, successful prosecutors in America, and, and certainly, you know, the top person you'd want for this job in New York in terms of experience. Look, it's an elected position. You don't always get the most qualified person. But Bragg is literally the most qualified person for that job. And one of the things I said is, look, it looks like Bragg is building his own team that he trusts. He wants his own team of lawyers. Also, Bragg's strategy to me was that he's not going for the grand slam right away. He's going to maybe go hit a single, then he's going to go for a double or triple, then he's going to go for the grand slam. Meaning the first thing he does is prosecute the Trump organization. Donald Trump isn't a criminal defendant, Come and, on, and uh, Bragg gets 17 felony uh, charges, uh, gets Trump organization convicted on 17 felony charges. And Bragg gets to see, okay, who's Trump's lawyer, what does the jury think, what's going to happen, and Bragg sees the jury hated Donald Trump. They hated the Trump organization. The jury wanted Trump indicted. Uh, Bragg gets, gets his first win. So then you move on. And look, New York Attorney General Letitia James is doing the case on all of Donald Trump's fraudulent financial valuations. That's a civil lawsuit, which would basically shut down the Trump Organization from doing business. She's seeking at least $250 million in damages, but likely will be seeking in the billions of dollars when she gets her case before the jury. It's going to be heard October 2nd of 2023. Brad isn't giving up on that case, the criminal side of that case. Remember, New York Attorney General Letitia James is pursuing the civil side of that case, and Bragg's saying, look, I may, I, I, I'm still investigating the criminal stuff there, but let's focus on a slam dunk case, an easy case, Donald Trump's hush money payments to Stormy Daniels. We know that the payment was made. We know that 
that $130,000 first went from Cohen uh, to Stormy Daniels. We know that, that Donald Trump paid back Cohen, misclassified it, which is the crime, misclassification of business records. When you add on top of that a campaign finance violation, because it happened right before the election, that makes it a felony. Trump gets, <laughs> as a felony, Trump could go to jail for four years. Yay! It's a simple case. You don't really have to worry about it dragging on with all of this discovery that could take, you know, years and years and years and decades. Like, let's remember, like, those Nixon cases, first off, Nixon was pardoned, so there was no real accountability there. Nixon case, like, 1982. On, so, to me, Bragg's strategy was boom. Let's get a criminal conviction. We got the organization. Let's get the criminal conviction. Let's throw Trump in Rikers early. And then we're not giving up the broader case. Let's still investigate that and then go after him for the broader case as well. That's the plan that I always thought was going on. And I wasn't guessing. I wasn't. I was speaking with the experts. I saw what was happening. You know, the experts have to be careful. On, they're not going to say things they're not allowed to say. But if you just listen to what people are saying and you follow the data, it's actually fairly obvious where this thing was headed. So, Brett, I know you've got my clip. So this is from several months ago Come at this on. point. Um, and this was right after. Just a little over a month ago. It's, it's from January 14th of uh, this year. So it's several could be two. Yeah, 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 I agree. Several, I think several's about four. I'll say a couple. I think it's two. like a couple is two. Yeah, that's yeah. Like a couple is two, several is three or four. That's, yeah. The okay, so this was when I said, I was, I've been saying, this is the, the, the clip that we could find, but I've been saying this for a long time, so play the clip of what I previously said. I also want to say this. What if Alvin Bragg criminally indicts Donald Trump in the next two months, or three months, or six months? What if that happens? What if Bragg becomes the first uh, district attorney to do that? We know he's criminally investigated Donald Trump. We know that he's brought in someone named Matthew Colangelo, who's a top prosecutor who worked with the attorney general's office in New York and who was the number three position in all of the Department of Justice, who's uh, civilly prosecuted Donald Trump before and succeeded, who took down the Trump charities and who helped uh, New York Attorney General Letitia James prepare her massive fraud civil lawsuit against Donald Trump seeking at least $250 million. The reason that I don't want to condemn or prejudge Alvin Bragg is because through my own perspective as a lawyer where things don't happen quickly in my cases that I have and things take place over significant time, I know that you, ne you can't necessarily judge somebody by what happens in a year or two years or even three years because I'll say this, everybody who rightfully is outraged at Alvin Bragg right now, the moment that Bragg criminally indicts, if he does, I think we'll all of a sudden be saying, okay, Alvin Bragg's a hero, Alvin Bragg's great, great job Alvin Bragg, you know, you did it, you know, congratulations, and I think they'll, but all of this stems from the fact that Trump is such a despicable, flagrant criminal. He has so tortured this country and has put people through such distress and despair. And there doesn't seem to be anyone doing anything about it. And so I understand where the I understand where it's coming from. The only perspective that I can provide is one that I share the anger, but I can only share with you this alternative 
perspective, an alternative, I think it's complimentary. I could be both incredibly angry at Alvin Brad, say what the heck happened with Amaranth and Carrie Jones, but also at the same time recognize that Bragg's the only district attorney in the entire country who's successfully criminally prosecuted a Trump entity to date, that he's continuing to do the investigation, and he's able to take action now that he's built this foundation, frankly a stronger foundation than we've seen anywhere else in the country right now. I mean, just think about it. There's democratically appointed district attorneys in places across the country, in cities across the country, that have jurisdiction who aren't doing anything. They're not getting criticized the same way Alvin Bragg is, but perhaps they should be getting criticized equally, because they're doing literally nothing. And they have jurisdiction because Trump businesses are within their purview, but they're not doing anything. Alvin Bragg at least is doing something. And my own kind of final view on him is to be determined. But right now I'm angry. I dare you, but I want to give you at least that perspective because I think there's a high likelihood based on the information that he's developed, based on the successful criminal prosecution, the information he's obtained, I wouldn't be surprised if in March or April you replay this video in January with the criminal indictment and I could point to it and say, look, this is look, I, I, I at least gave you that indication that I thought something like that was ha that something like that was happening. Well we are March or April, you know, that's when I predicted that you'll see certain comments that says he won't do it though. No one's ever gonna do it. And so when people are saying that in the chat, I don't know where you're getting your information from because I, I, I am just telling you that he will. I'm not trying to get your hopes up. I've I've had podcasts and episodes where I tell you this bad thing is going to happen. So I don't know who I actually do know certain instigators on social media who continue to lie. I know the largest yeah. email is being to pump in bad information, but he, he will. I, I don't know how else to say it. This move that he just made indicates that he will. So I don't think that I deserve, you know, people are going to be like, oh, Ben, you predicted it, you called it. Yeah, but it's like seeing the cumulonimbus cloud. You know I love cumulonimbus. It's like seeing the cumulonimbus cloud over, you know I love cumulonimbus. Over the night, and we're seeing cumulonimbus because I do well in my earth science class. I'm like, that cumulonimbus is going to bring lightning. And then like, whoa, you called the lightning? I'm like, yo, it's a cumulonimbus. And then one other point, and then another earth science class, you know, what do we win here? No extradition from Florida. A slap on the wrist. I, mean, I don't know where those comments are. I appreciate it, but I don't know what that means. He is going to be tried in New York. He is going to have to show up in New York. And spending two or four years at Rikers Island while the other criminal charges are brought, it, it, it isn't a slap on the wrist. Don't let these instigators on social media, on the major news networks, don't let them do to you what Fox is doing to their audience. And I think exactly. that you watching this, you listening to this, I know that you're better than this because you're here for the actual information. So 
don't let them, the same way that when Fox, when Fox viewers are confronted with the reality of what Tucker is saying behind their back, when you're confronted with the facts about what is actually happening here, don't just recoil and say, no, that's not true, no, that's not true. Take a breath and, and, and try to process it. I, I really encourage you to do things are doing you no good whatsoever. You need to reprogram that thing. Because when we saw, I mean, we this kind of time again,
questions that follow the answer to you, and then let's create a judgment about it, even if even if the mighty uh, temporarily upset because they're hearing all these things about Alvin Brown elsewhere, the way to build trust over time is to at least dishonesty, even if it counters a narrative where it would have been far more popular for me to push a narrative that was widely popular but that I disagreed with because the data was different otherwise. We have a lot more to talk about in this episode, like Donald Trump, Oscar King lawyer, Jenna Ellis, who was on by Rudy Giuliani, and